Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Finding Your Frequency right here on voiceamerica.com, leader in live internet talk radio. If you haven't had a chance to check out uh, all the different stuff that we're doing, make sure you go back, check out our archives. We've got about three years of radio shows for you guys all to check out. We're always trying to bring some fantastic insights and great thought leaders and authors and speakers to the table. And we're bringing it to you again. We have a great interview today. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, some cool information on inspiration and, you know, really just kind of getting into the, the, the nitty gritty on, you know, how, how you can push through some adversity and, and all of that today. So uh, I want to introduce our fantastic guest, Mr. Jeff Kuhn. He survived the unthinkable, burns over 80% of his body and a rare neuromuscular disease. Despite it all, Jeff found the courage to keep moving on. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, we appreciate you taking your time out, and uh, I know you're a busy professional, and uh, you know you, you got a lot of things going on in, in in the world and professional business and all that. And then you have this this book that you that you come out with that uh, we were kind of talking a little bit before we came on. Then you know I try to read all the books uh, before we before we do the interviews, but in this case, I only got to read you know the first few pages. Then I got to thinking about it, and I'm like. Hey, that's actually kind of good because then I don't really know the entire story, so I can allow Jeff to kind of elaborate on, you know, some of those different things in the in the book and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I want to just kind of start at the beginning and, you know, go back to, you know, what the premise of our show is, you know, finding your frequency. It's about the story, the journey, you know, so let's just kind of start from the beginning, Jeff. And, you know, okay. let's talk about like, number one, what happened to you? Because what happened to you is the driver behind the book. Is that correct? Yes, uh, it all started. Um, I had uh, graduated from business school with an MBA, and uh, it was about five years later. The career was going great. I had gotten married, bought my first home. Um, you know, had a dog. You know, I just, I everything. You know, the life seemed like it was going right according to like a perfect script. And then uh, one Saturday morning. Um, I was in a house fire. Um, now my wife at the time was out of town. So the only people home were myself and my yellow lab. Now she was outside, but I was caught and I was burned in the fire. And it's in the book, but it's, as you might imagine with a, a burn over 80% of your body, I can't even imagine the trauma or the shock your whole system is in. But I do remember a few snippets. I remember the the two firemen uh, who came to get me and they said, we're here to help. And then I remember being loaded in the ambulance. And then I remember going very quickly down a highway. Uh, this took place in Dallas and it turned out it was the Dallas North Tollway. Um, and I just remember the trees flying by. And the last thing I remember was the paramedic saying, you're going to be fine. And I, 
you know, I, I look back now and I, I was thinking he had to believe that looking at me that I probably had about 10 minutes to live, which was pretty close to accurate, but he still, that's the last thing I heard is you're going to be fine. Um, because then once I got to the hospital, obviously they went to work, but they put me in a medically induced coma. And so I was basically out for the next 30 days. So I know what happened in those 30 days because people have told me specifically the doctors. Um, but most of that was a blank except for a few, uh, in the hospital room, they kept CNN on 24 hours a day, just so you would have, um, stimulation to your brain, you know, some, something sights and sounds. And I do remember a few, um, news events that were extremely major that actually I remember, and I remember seeing them on the television, but out of 30 days, I only remember maybe two 30-second clips. Um, so that's what started it all. And then, you know, that started the two-year road to recovery from the burn. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be something that's really difficult to deal with, like knowing what happened to you, but not really having the, you know, I guess the glue in the middle to kind of piece it all together, right? You know, I think there's a blessing uh, because I can't even imagine it's probably good that I don't remember being on fire or being burned. And honestly, when the, the fireman came to get me and the, and the paramedic, I, it was in the book, I call it dreamland just because I don't remember I was in, don't remember being in any pain and everything was a little bit foggy. Um, and I think it's a blessing because I think if I remembered literally second by second how this whole thing happened, it could be a really horrifying memory that could have led to, you know, post-traumatic stress yeah, that, disorder. That's a good point. Um, I was I was going to bring that up. I have a bunch of yeah. I have a bunch of friends that served, you know, time in the military and, you know. Uh, you know, did tours in Afghanistan and Iraq and that kind of thing. And yeah, I think you're, you're right. It, it is a blessing because I have this one friend who dealt with some pretty traumatic stuff and he literally remembers every second of every moment of that traumatic experience. And he's been dealing with, you know, some PTSD issues for a few years. And so, yeah, I guess, I guess that does, that does make a lot of sense that not remembering it could actually be, you know, super helpful for your mental psyche. It is because, um, you know, I actually did a little research on PTSD as I was writing the book because um, typically, as you might guess, 30% uh, or more, I'm surprised it's that low, but 30% or more people who have severe burn injuries do get PTSD. Um, and I didn't only because I don't remember. And so, I, but I needed to learn about it because I know it's a a very common thing with, as you point out, people who go into combat. And I did some research on it and, you know, I feel terrible for those folks because I, I can't even imagine, like if I had to relive this all the time, um, it would be very, very difficult. So fortunately, yeah, it would, I mean, I had a tough road to come back, but that would have made it even worse. So uh, I was lucky in that sense, you know. So tell us a little bit about, you know, overcoming the adversity of, you know, all of those burns and, you know, how difficult was it for you to, you know, transition from, you know, 
all of that that was happening to you and then get back into your professional life. I mean, because you have a, you know, a, a degree in economics and MBA and finance. I'm sure at some point you're like itching to, you know, get back to your, your, uh, you know, your, 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 your career, your business. Uh, how, how hard was that yeah. to get back to that? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when you, when I first came to, so to speak in the hospital, I was in, um, uh, I was fortunate because Dallas uh, Parkland Hospital has the second largest civilian burn unit in the United States. And they're also either, you know, one of the best in the world or one of the two best. Uh, so I was, I mean, nobody wants to be burned, but if you're going to be burned that badly, I was fortunate to be near one of the best burn centers in the world. Uh, but when I came to about a month, you know, they, they kind of pulled the drugs back so I would be conscious and aware of my surroundings, but they still, to be honest, they were very slow about telling me because they don't want to overwhelm you with the situation you're in. They said, you know, you were in a fire, but you're going to be fine. Um, and they don't, at that point, they don't tell you that, you know, you're going to have to have, you know, a lot of surgeries and the rehabilitation's going to be, you know, I, they keep, they sort of spoon feed you information to keep it from overwhelming you. And you're still on medication, so you're still a little bit foggy, but now you're aware that you're in a hospital. And I really, you know, they had to tell me what happened because I didn't know why I was there. And, um, but as you pointed out, the burn recovery, it was 18 major surgeries and two full years of physical therapy, most of which I had to do on my own. So, yeah, I was uh very anxious to get back into quote unquote you know the real world but um first you know i was fortunate to survive because in the book it actually the first night i was in the hospital my parents flew down from chicago which is where i'm from and the doctors told them that i had probably you know maybe a day maybe three max to live and that they should start preparing for my death. And so uh, I actually had last rites performed on me in the hospital and they were getting ready to, you know, say goodbye. And Sunday was my first uh, full day in the hospital and uh, the vitals started to tick up, which surprised them because they thought, you know, he's going to keep going down. But I started ticking up and they said, well, he's fighting it. And then by I don't know how long it took. They realized he's actually fighting to come out of this. And so then they had to, they had to plan a surgery schedule. And so they actually did two major seven hour surgeries while I was in this medically induced coma, which I don't remember, but I, I don't know how they do it because, you know, how, balancing the anesthesia with the drugs you're taking, but they did two surgeries um, before I even knew it. It's like your uh, subconscious is made out of steel. Like you, you, you didn't even know what was going on, but yet no, your subconscious no. is like fighting is, and once, fighting. Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Cause once I was aware of my surroundings a month in, they told me that I had a surgery coming up in a couple of days. And I said, Oh wow. I said, you know, I've never, I told them, I said, I've never in my life ever had surgery. And they said, well, actually you've already had two which surprised me. I mean, I'm like, really? But so going into that first one, I was pretty afraid because it was the first one in my life I was ever 
aware that I was going in for certain. And when they say major, they mean you're going to be in there for like six hours. Now you're, you know, you're under anesthesia the whole time, but still mentally you're thinking about what are they doing for six hours? Yeah. You know, I mean, so I was, I was actually pretty nervous going into that first one, but the, once I realized what was going on and um, that it was going to take uh, a Herculean effort to get the use of both either one of my arms back, I realized that work was a long way off and they said it was going to take many surgeries to get me to a, a place where uh, I was healthy again. Now they couldn't, they had no idea. I mean, and they weren't trying to be misleading. They honestly didn't know because the doctors told me at this point, remember this is 25, 30 years ago that they said that no one who had been burned as badly as me, um, including people that see, they had treated a lot of people from Vietnam and uh, they said no one that we've ever seen that's been burned this badly has ever lived. So, we, you're an absolute, we don't understand why you're alive, but you are. And so now, you know, we don't know how many surgeries it's going to take. Well, it ended up being 18. At the time, I thought, okay, probably, you know, six, maybe max five. Um, I had no idea it was going to be 18. But um, so then, you know, you find out that both of your arms, uh, I couldn't lift them more than a few inches past my sides I could only literally lift them up maybe three or four inches from my side and it took that's a whole nother story that we can get into but they were you're probably never going to be able to use your arms again um, more than you are right now and uh, of course I can't um, I that that's a that's a great part of the story but I, I when they told me I wasn't going to be able to use my arms again you know, as I used to, I said, well, that's just, that's unacceptable. And, uh, and they laughed because they said that, okay. And so they did two major surgeries on each arm and they said, that's still, you're going to have to put it. It's, it took me two years of work. Um, but by the time I was finally done after two years, I could fully use my arms as well as I did before the burn injury, which pretty pretty much shocked them because yeah, they that, thought i mean that's the attitude you got to have too i mean you know as you as anybody right you struggle through adversity and you know you have a goal and and, and something you want to accomplish you know whether it's rehabilitating from and you know uh, uh you know a situation like yours or somebody who's trying to start a business or you know something like that i i you know to to say that's unacceptable and and take strides to do anything and everything you can to move forward uh that that takes a lot of gumption, man. Well, yeah, you hit a great point, and it's uh, the doctors even talked about it after we had this discussion. They said that you know they have to deliver a lot of bad news because the the burn unit had a lot of patients, and I just and because mine was so severe that the two lead doctors were both working on me because that's they needed uh, they they actually I needed so much care that both of the lead doctors had to work on me which is unusual. Usually they would take one person and someone would take another, but they, in my case, I needed both of them. Uh, but they told me that normally, uh, and again, I, I point this out in the book, I'm not trying to come off as a superhero or, you know, any, any stronger than anyone else. Um, I just, uh, they said, you, you know, you're going to react one of two ways to adversity. They said, we expected you to 
when we told you the news about your arms and all the work it's going to take and um, that, you know, a lot of people just kind of roll over in bed and give up. And I just, I actually got angry, if you can believe it. I actually got angry at them. And this is the funny part. I said, <laughs> okay. I said, you said the odds of me being able to use my arms aren't very good. I said, put a number on it. And they looked at each other like they were really puzzled. I said, put a number on it. Like out of a hundred percent, zero to a hundred, what are the odds I'll be able to use both of my arms again if you do the two major surgeries that are required to give me that opportunity? And they said, Jeff, even with, you know, two surgeries, one for each arm, you know, um, your, your odds, and they looked at each other. They didn't even know what to say. They, they said, look, honestly, it's probably 7%, maybe 10 at the highest. And then I, then I laughed and, they, and I started smiling. And they looked at me like they thought I was nuts because, you know, they basically, you know, seven to 10% basically sounds, doesn't sound very good. And I said, you know what? I said, I said, as long, I was just waiting to hear as long as it's anything but zero. Yeah. It's like, I have a chance. I have a chance. Seriously. (laughs) You know, you know, the old joke, like you're saying there's a chance. Well, actually there's some truth to that because when they said seven to 10, I heard a hundred. Right. And I told him that. I said, you just told me, you said 7 to 10%. I hear 100% because that means 7 to 10 people out of 100 are going to make it. I'm going to be one of those 7 to 10. You do those two surgeries, and I promise you, it's a guarantee. It's not a maybe or, gee, I'm hopeful. I said, I guarantee. I don't care if I have to work 24 hours a day, and I don't care if it's a year, two years, three years. I am will regain the full use of my arms because at the time I'm only 31 and I said, I'm not going to go through the rest of my life with even the slightest handicap in either arm and I'm going to fight this to the finish. And I did, and they did, they did their part and I did mine and I just took the, I'm, I'm not going to lose. And I just tattooed it on my brain and every day I woke up and it wasn't fun because, uh, you know, the rehabilitation is extremely painful um, to stretch out skin grafts and scars. Um, you know, it's, it's extremely painful, but I, got, I, I wired in that the only way to get my arms back was to go through a lot of pain. The only way to a successful outcome was the painful way. And so mentally, I just knew that pain equals progress. So every day I was working out, I was in a lot of pain, but I realized that meant I'm working and I'm headed towards the goal. Yeah. I, I remember, so I I, that I, re- I remember I growing up when I was in high school uh, and I used to go into the gym uh, to go work out and I played baseball and, and, and football and was on the swim team. And there was a giant sign uh, in the gym that just, I mean, huge, I'm talking, you know, the letters were probably four feet tall. Uh, across the back of the gym and it just said no pain no gain yeah it's um you know yeah and but in my case uh it was absolutely it's a little bit counterintuitive because you know let's say you know if you break a leg or i break a leg you're spraining an ankle you know a doctor will tell you to uh you know stay off it for a while Mm -hmm. you know and then at a certain point then you can start working out again now with a burn injury it's just the opposite um, in order to recover and gain range of motion, 
um, you know, depending on where you're burned. Luckily, you know, they actually had to teach me to walk again, but that was fairly easy um, in comparison. I put, put the easy in quotes, but the arms were a massive problem and that required a huge amount of work and a ton of pain, but I realized that was the only way out um, to a successful conclusion so, uh, and I watched a lot of people because when I went to rehabilitation, there were a lot of burn patients there. This is when I was an outpatient and my, I was in the hospital. The original stay was two months. And then after that, I came back every day for a year for rehabilitation. And then, you know, I was, a, you know, going through all the surgeries where I'd come back, you know, uh, you know, 15 more times. But uh, I saw a lot of people give up. You know, they just stopped coming to rehabilitation because it was too painful or they, and I was so sad because I, you know, there's nothing I could do. I mean, I became friends with a lot of these people and all of a sudden they just disappear. And I just, you know, I wonder what happened to them, you know, down the road that if they had only stuck it out and I understand because it's not fun, it's painful, but um, I don't know why I just. You know, I hung in there and I didn't care. I was just, it was absolutely going to happen. I mean, I, it, it, there was never a doubt in my mind. Uh, it may sound insane. You yeah, know, I was going to say, where, odds, where, do you, where do you think that determination to, you know, to, to not accept, you know, your, your current scenario came from? Where, I mean, have you always been just like, I'm doing whatever I want? I mean, has that been Jeff you all know, along? Uh, I, that's a good question because uh, a friend of mine, uh, my best friend, he came to visit me while I was in my coma. And apparently I could speak uh, while I was in this coma. And I don't remember him coming to see me. And he said I'd float in and out of being coherent. Like one minute I'd be, you know, talking normally. And two seconds later, I'm, I'm telling him I'm being held hostage by the Russians. And he's got to go to the embassy to get people to get me out of here. You need to get troops. To, and, you know, he just agreed just so I would just to go along with me. But he even said, he joked, he goes, he said, up until this point, he said, I always thought he was speaking to me and he said, Jeff, I always thought you had a low threshold for pain because, you know, we <laughs> played tennis. We did a lot of sport like you. I did a lot of sports. And he said, you know, you'd get hurt. And it was always like the end of the world, you know, and then now suddenly you've become this uh, warrior and I honestly don't know. Um, nobody coached me. I just, you know, they just hit me with this news. And I, it's just, I, that's just the way I reacted. You know, I, um, you know, it wasn't like I had been, I was any kind of superhero leading up to it and had gone through a lot of other painful episodes or had other traumatic uh, incidents that I could fall back on and said, well, I made it through that one. I actually had had a pretty, that my life wasn't easy, but what I mean in a medical sense, I really had not had anything except maybe breaking my little finger once. Um, I had never really been anywhere near a hospital. So this was all brand new to me. Right. So what I talk about in the book is I said, I think this ability to rise up and be strong is hardwired into all of us. You know, it's not just me. So the purpose of my book wasn't to talk about how great a human being I am. It's, it's I think we all, I know we all have this in us. And if when you're faced with 
trauma. And it, like you point out, it doesn't have to be medical. It could be troubles you run into starting a business, right. uh, financial troubles you have, job troubles. Um, yeah, you, learning I, I like, how to handle it is the key. I really like what you have in uh, in the material that you sent over. You know, one of the things that you have written here says, "Blue sky lightning is a beacon of hope for the hopeless, a call to share your own inspiring story, and proof that anyone can overcome even the most dire catastrophes." Exactly. Yeah, and that's why I wrote the book, which I know we'll get into. But I didn't write the book, and I even told. This is over a year ago when I was talking with my publisher. I said, I am not writing a Jeff Kuhn autobiography so I can detail, uh, you know, how incredible I am recovering from two near-death experiences. It's That's not the point of this book. It, I, because I said, if that was the point, we shouldn't even write the book. It shouldn't even see the light of day because... Um, then it's just some sort of egomaniac trip that nobody wants to read. The purpose of my writing the book was that other people who are, and it seems to be working because I'm getting a lot of good feedback, people who are suffering from any any number of problems read my book and gain strength from it. They use some of my you know mental toughness techniques that I just had to adopt, um, and they read it, and it's, they even tell me that they were on the verge of giving up, but then they read the book and they're like, you know, it gives them hope. They're like, if he can make it, so can I. And that's the point. I'm no different. I'm not special. You know, the cosmos did not select me as the person to save. I'm no different than anyone else. And you are everyone listening. You're just as strong as I am. And, you know, I pray that no one goes through what I do, but the human experience means that sooner or later you're going to face adversity. And if you're prepared for it in advance, it makes it a whole lot easier. And so I put it out there for people who are suffering now, who maybe have suffered in the past and really haven't gotten over it, or people that something may come up down the road. Um, And also it's very valuable for people who have family members or friends that are suffering because they don't know what to say to them. They don't know what the other person is thinking. But then when they read my book, they're like, oh, you know, I think I can understand now what my friend is going through. And I think I can speak to them with a little more uh, empathy and understand kind of where they're coming from. So the book can be useful for all sorts of people. Um, And people do get it because when I get feedback, no one immediately goes to, oh, Jeff, you're so incredible. No, I don't want to hear that. I honestly don't. I want to hear you know, I read your story, I, you know, I, I'm in the hospital, I was in a car accident, and I've got a long journey ahead of me, my wife gave me your book, and after I read it, I realized, you know what, I'm going to put up the fight you yeah. did, and I'm going to make it back, thank you, and that's the purpose of the book, I want to hear yeah, stories from people who, I don't want people to give up, because really, you know, if there's a chance, even if it's small, yeah, even if it's minuscule, just hold on to it, and fight and you can win. And I just want people out there to uh, get hope from my story and help them pull through. Yeah, Jeff, so I can, I can tell you, I'm, I'm going to be sharing your story. I'm going to be sharing, you know, this episode with our listeners. Um, I, I even have a personal experience. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, really? army veteran, uh, came home. He had been home for, I don't know, three, four years. 
Uh, this just happened last year. A uh, really good friend of mine uh, got in a car accident, flipped a car, was in a coma for, I don't know, eight or nine weeks or something like that. Uh, when he woke up from the coma, he had, they had to amputate his leg. Uh, oh my God. And he had, you know, multiple pelvis fractures and his whole body was in a cast. And I just saw him, uh, on, on Saturday night for the first time since the accident happened. Uh, and I was just, I was amazed because he drove himself to my house in his truck, you know, uh, and, and just, you know, all the things that he's been going through, you know, waking up and being like, hey, I don't even have a leg anymore. Uh, you know, and some of those things, I think, you know, and you're right. Uh, I think it is hardwired in all of us. It's just a matter of like, how do we tap into that side to turn it on? Because, you know, uh, my friend was always a, a hardworking guy, but I'd never expected him to, you know, I guess have the will, want and desire to. Uh, come out of his situation the way that he has too. And, you know, when he drove over to my house, you know, and got out of his truck all by himself and went and hopped over and got his wheelchair out of the bed of his pickup truck all by himself and wouldn't let me help him. Uh, I was absolutely amazed at the transformation that he had made. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the kind of story I love. And that's the kind of story, you know, I'm, I'm sorry he had to suffer like that, but I just have so much, just hearing that story, I admire him so much. And I'm hoping that, uh, see, he could write a book and talk about his strength. You right. Know? And that's um, why I want to share his story people aren't going to write a him. book, you know. Yeah. And, and so I thought I have an opportunity here to um, help people. And if, even if, you know, I didn't know, I said, even if it helps one person make it through, then it'll be worth the effort. And just the, the, listening to your story, I can picture him and I'm just, I'm happy for him that he's got that strength and attitude and he's, you know, he had something terrible thrown at him, but he's handling it beautifully. And I do agree that, you know, deep down, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be trained by the military. You don't have to have, uh, it's there, you know, like in my case, I just summoned it up. Um, but I think we're all, it is hardwired and, hopefully you won't need it. But if you do just know that you, you can rise to the occasion like your friend. And that's a great story. You know, Jeff, I want to kind of just take a half a step backwards and kind of come back to a point in the story where you had left off. Uh, you know, I know you, you mentioned that you had uh, two instances in your life of, uh, of, of, of near death experiences with right. obviously the burn being one of them. Tell the audience about the, the other portion of, of what happened. Yeah, this this is uh, now the burn injury. As I as I mentioned, it took two years and the eighteen surgeries to cover. Uh, but after the two years, um, I went when I got injured. I was one hundred and eighty five pounds, and then due because of the injury and the muscle atrophy and everything, I went down to one hundred and forty pounds. So in addition to having to regain the use of my arms, et cetera, I literally had to rebuild every muscle in my body. And over the course of the two years, just the working out to recover from the burn, I put on a lot of muscle. And so when the burn injury recovery was over about two years after the event, I was in the best shape of my life. I, I'd never been stronger. I've never been in better health. And so off I went. Now, when you're out of the workforce for two years, even with the degrees you talked about that I had earlier, 
you know, the what I found uh, is that the workforce wasn't waiting for me with open arms. Um, you know, you you leave the workforce for two years and you know, a lot of people look at you as almost as unemployable. It's hard to believe as that is. So I had to take some jobs that weren't weren't the best, but I had to I had to, you know, make money somehow. But I was just happy to be healthy. And this went on for about a year and a half. And I'm in perfect health. And yeah, I'm not doing the job that I want to do. And I, I said, that'll come. I'll keep looking. And but I was happy. Then um, about a year and a half after the burn recovery. And I had, I had a great year and a half where my health was absolutely perfect. Well, all of a sudden, one day, uh, I was sitting in an office. I was doing outbound telemarketing, which is one of the worst jobs you can have. Uh, but I, my thighs started to hurt. I mean, I started to get some aches in my thighs. And I thought, okay, well, I, I, I was still working out a lot, doing a lot of walking with my dog, a lot of you know, weightlifting and et cetera. And I thought, well, maybe I overdid it. You know, that happens. You know, you go to the gym or you work out or you play tennis and you haven't played in a while and your arm kind of hurts. Um, so I thought, oh, okay, I just been overdoing it. But then the pains in my legs would go away and then they come back. Now they started spreading to more of my leg and they were more painful. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And well, to make a long story short, within the next three weeks, the pain had spread to my entire body and I was essentially curled up in a ball on my bed and I couldn't work anymore. And the next thing I know, um, once again, my parents were having to get involved and they start, you know, we went to, you know, just family doctors first and they said, well, it appears to be some sort of neurological problem. So you need to see a neurologist. And I'm like, neurological? And so I went to from one neurologist to another, and they said it looks like Lou Gehrig's disease, which isn't a good diagnosis because, you know, typically almost every neuromuscular illness is either fatal or you're going to be permanently uh, disabled. I mean, there really there aren't any good ones you can get. Um, but... So, the, but everywhere we went, this was the interesting thing. This is, this is also going to come back to our not knowing can be a good thing. Well, for a while, I'm in excruciating pain. I'm actually in the kind of pain I was with the third degree burns, which I thought I'd never experience again. Uh, but here I am. I'm, I'm in pain, but you know, you don't know why. I'm in incredible pain. But what was going on was it was a, some sort of autoimmune illness or disease and my nerve nerve endings and muscles were self-destructing simultaneously and that's what was causing all the pain and they figured that out but then for example they thought it was Lou Gehrig's disease but it really it only checked seven of the eight Lou Gehrig's boxes then they thought it was multiple sclerosis they thought it was Guillain-Barre um, all of which are, are bad but I never I never seemed to check every box of any disease. So this went on for a long time. And at first it was frustrating because I wanted them to give me something to help with the pain or to make it better. Um, this was a long time ago. So I didn't realize neuromuscular diseases were essentially a, could be a death sentence. Uh, but finally they told me, they said, we don't know what you have. We have no idea. We can't come up with a name for it. 
But whatever it is, it's they, they were just being honest. They said it's going to be fatal, and sadly, it's not going to be quick. It's going to be uh, sort of a, a slow process of you fading out. And I'm thinking, I might honestly, I was like, you've got to be kidding. And I'm thinking to myself because I just went through this one in a million burn scenario, and now I'm going to die from a neuromuscular illness that they said had no relation to the burn because it, you know it had been there was absolutely no tie. Uh, so I don't know how I got this, but then. <clears throat> um, all of a sudden, I, I was laying in bed, and I'm, yeah, I'm in a lot of pain, but I started thinking, well, wait a minute. They can't put a name on it. You know, they, they think it's Lou Gehrig's, but it's not. They think it's MS, but it's not. I said, if they don't know what it is, they're telling me it's fatal. How do they know that? You know, I mean, maybe it's not. I mean, if there's no name on this disease, it's a bad one, believe me, but how do they know? So once again, I was, I flipped my switch in my brain and I went from, okay, I'm in a lot of pain. I need, they need to figure out what this is. Now I'm like, I'm glad they don't know what it is because I literally said to myself, if they don't know what it is, how do they know it's not something that's just going to go away or is not fatal? And in the end, um, They eventually did a nerve muscle biopsy probably a year into this whole saga. This once again took two years of my life um, to recover from, but a year into it, they did an, one doctor decided to do a nerve muscle biopsy, which was another, it's a small, easy surgery, but he found, he saw all the destroyed muscle tissue and destroyed nerve endings, but he said he saw the regrowth, very small, but the regrowth of nerves and muscles. And he said, he said, this is my expert opinion. He said, yeah, you, you went through devastation, but it looks like your body is regenerating the nerve endings and muscle tissue. He said, it's not going to be overnight, but he said, my opinion is you're going to come out of this. And he turned out to be right. And that took another year. But so one year later, again, I had to go through the whole rebuilding my muscles and because I was down to 140 again and uh, another year. And I, I, I said to myself, look, I, I went through it with the burn. I know how to recover, uh, you know, doing exercises and this and that. So I went through the whole song and dance again on my own. Um, and a year later, now this is a two year period, but a year later I was back at full health again. This time I got a good job selling homes in Phoenix. And so now finally the five and a half year, you know, two near death experience, uh, saga was over and I went on and I've been, I've been healthy ever since. And so, but the odds of having both of them back to back is you know, astronomical of that, you know, I mean, one's one in a million, the other's one in a million. What are the odds you get both? It's, it's, you know, one in a trillion. Yeah. And that's, and that's a perfect segue into, into this book that you've written, which is called blue sky lightning. Uh, And why don't you explain to the audience how, you know, the two incidences that happened to you um, correlate with this phenomenon that you're called blue sky lightning. Yeah. Uh, well, it's an interesting story because um, now, 
a lot of the things that your listeners are hearing about and you're hearing about, no one really, no one except me really understood the everything I had to go through because most of it happened behind the scenes. A lot of the recovery I, I did by myself. So people know, people knew that I went through some really tough times, but they had no idea that it, it was probably, you know, 50 times worse than they understood, but they still saw me make it through a couple of really difficult episodes and several friends said, you really ought to write a book about it. And I was like, well, first of all, who is going to want to read this? I mean, I mean, you know, I, at the time, you know, remember I'm like 31 and I'm thinking who, who's, who want, I said, what's the audience for this book? Who the heck wants to read it? And then number two, um, I don't really, you know, at this point I'm anxious to just kind of get on with my life. Um, and not that I want to forget about it because I, there were actually a lot of, I met a lot of great people and I actually have some happy memories during that period. Um, but I said, I'm anxious to move on with my life. And the last thing I want to do is sit down and relive the last five and a half years to write a book. Um, and I, and, and honestly, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that's going to want to read it. So, but then I'm walking my dog, uh, Sparky, my yellow lab. And we were, and I started thinking, well, if I did write a book, what would I call it? It's because what happened to me as we just talked about was so, you know, hard to believe that it could happen to the same guy twice. And so I felt like I had been, you know, I just mentally, I was like, I felt like life was great. You know, it's a, you're out standing outside. It's a beautiful day, blue skies. You know, all you can think about is life's great and it's going to be a wonderful day. And whammo, out of nowhere, you get struck by lightning. And I thought, oh, wait, that's kind of a good analogy. So in my head, and this is like 25, 30 years ago, I said, I think I'd call the book Blue Sky Lightning, and I'd probably have to explain to people what it means. Uh, but at the time, I didn't even know it was a real uh, weather phenomena. I just, I invented it. I literally just came up with it. And honestly, I forgot about it. I just kind of filed it away, moved on with my life. And fast forward to about a couple of years ago, um, you know, now you get older, you know, it's 25 years later, you know, and now you start thinking about, uh, you know, leaving the world a better place. I have a son now, you know, my wife and I, we, you know, we have a happy life. We have a great kid. Uh, he's going off to college next year. And I said, what am I going to do next? And, uh, you know, I said, I'd really like to do something. You know, I was talking to my family physician about this. And it's at, this is actually in the book, too. And I said, I really want to do something to help other people. And she goes, well, you you know, just give it some thought. And it took about a year. But all of a sudden, I thought, well, wait a minute. Maybe I could write. Maybe I will write this book. And maybe the story can help people. And so I wrote an article, which was about six pages long. And I posted it on LinkedIn just to see if it would get any kind of traction, any feedback. Well, over a thousand people read it and I got a ton of feedback and, uh, and it was the kind of feedback I wanted. It was from people like, wow, this is a great story because I think it could help a lot of people. Then I said, okay, there's, you know, I wanted to make sure that writing the book would uh, actually help people. So I floated the article out just to see what the reaction would be. And it was a pretty good summary of what's, what the book's all about. So then I found a publisher 
and um, you know, I told them the title, and then I started Googling, and this is what you and I were talking about before the show. Um, there's actually blue sky lightning. Meteorologists call it a bolt from the blue, and believe it or not, you can be standing out, say in a field or anywhere in your driveway, and it, it could be a blue sky, beautiful day, not a cloud on the horizon, and you can be struck by lightning and killed or, or badly injured. So it's a real thing. Now, they call it something different. I just invented my own name. But if you Google it, um, Bolt from the Blue is a real phenomena. And I actually read a story about, it's a sad story, but there was a gentleman. He was standing out in a field in Oklahoma, beautiful blue day. There was a huge thunderstorm over 100 miles away, you know, way over the horizon. You know, not even... You know, he has no idea it's even going on. Well, a bolt from that thunderstorm traveled 100 miles and struck him, killed him, uh, which is, you know, it's terribly sad. But it, I was shocked that it actually is a real thing. It can happen. And I'm, so it, I said, I'm going to stick with the title because it really is uh, appropriate because what happened to me did seem like a bolt from the blue and I got two of them. And, uh, and the subtitle of the book uh, helps explain it. And then in the first paragraph of the book, uh, which I know you, you have now read, the first thing we do in the, on page one of the book is define blue sky lightning in more detail so people understand exactly right. why. Yeah, and that part, that part I did read, I think I got to like page 10, like 10, 10 yeah. not page 10, but 10 pages into the book. Yeah, so I, I, and I did, I like how you put that analogy and how you explain that to people because I don't think a lot of people really understand, um, you know, that that's an actual phenomenon that happens. Uh, and, yeah, and, the and I didn't either. Until I started writing the book, I still thought I had mentally created an event that never happens, but that's what, it was the best analogy I could come up with, with, you know, what happened to me, um, you know, getting struck out of the blue when you think everything's fine. Um, and so I was actually shocked that it was a real thing too. And so we decided uh, when I first wrote the book, um, that was farther into the book. And then we decided to move it to paragraph one. So if people had any confusion about the book and the subtitle, by the time they finished page one, they totally understood exactly right. where the term came from, what it meant, and why it's the title of the book and you know everybody's clear with it uh, so it was good to define it right away um, but yeah it is crazy that it's a real thing well Jeff tell uh, tell everybody here you know as we kind of are getting uh, uh, up on our time here today and sure. again I want to thank you so much for being on and sharing your story you know having you know two blue sky lightning events in one lifetime is just <laughs> is crazy man and the way that you battled is, yeah. and fought is amazing only because it's like it's hard to believe where, where do where do, where do people get the book where do people get the book yeah i i have a website um it's very easy it's it's one word and it's blue sky bolt uh b-l-u-e-s-k-y-b-o-l-t dot com so it's blue sky dot com and you can go to the website and there's a button right there. If, you, if you're interested in buying the book, it takes you right to Amazon. 
and uh, you can buy a copy there. But the website's also interesting because there are uh, there's more information about me, uh, some pictures. There's also a link to that article I just talked about that summarizes um, the the book that I wrote before I even wrote the book. There's also a link to a blog piece that just came out about uh, my book that also is a great summary of not just the book, but really the lessons, the life lessons that I learned in the book that we can all incorporate into our lives. It was written by uh, a popular blogger. And so you can actually go to the website and learn a lot about what happened to me. And you can also, like I said, go to Amazon from there. And as you and I talked about earlier, I enjoy talking with people, you know, whether you read the book or not, if you have a a question or a story or you have a question to ask me at the very bottom it's contact Jeff yeah. and you all you can just put down anything you want and I get a lot of feedback from people and I think they're surprised that they can actually contact then I'm not a famous author I've written one book but I think they're still surprised that they can actually read a book or read an article or hear a hear a a radio show or a, or a podcast about me and they can actually talk to me and I will get back with you and I've talked to lots of people so if you want to go to the website just to ask me a question feel free because I will get back <laughs> that's with awesome you. yeah that's cool that you guys that you do that and not a lot of authors are that open and you know the fact that you're you know so so open so honest uh, you know you I appreciate everything that you're doing for humanity and, you know, getting your story out there and, and letting people know that they can overcome adversity. It's just a matter of remembering that we all have that switch that's in there and we just have to flip it on sometimes. That's absolutely it. That's that you've got it, that you hit it right on the head. Jeff, thank you so much for joining Finding Your Frequency today. We appreciate it. Uh, very grateful to be on. Thank you. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency right here on voiceamerica.com. Again, you guys can uh, check us out on our website, findingyourfrequency.net, all over uh, Twitter at Radio Ryan one at Jeff Spinney2. A big shout out to our guest, Jeff. Jeff, thanks again for joining us. Guys, we'll be back with some more fantastic interviews right here on voiceamerica.com. <laughs> 